Welcome to the Deskbound Therapy Podcast, hosted by David London. David is a posture and mobility expert, yoga teacher, and certified online trainer. This podcast is about empowering deskbound professionals, how to live their healthiest life, and move pain-free. If you work at a desk job and want to move pain-free, look and feel your best. Let's get the conversation started to see if you could be a good fit for David's coaching program. Connect with us through all the social platforms and see the show notes below. Now, let's dive into this episode. Redefine your impossible. Awesome. Today, I'm super excited to have my friends David and Tim from the School of Calisthenics here on episode 25 of the Deskbound Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, David London. And I'm super stoked about this one. I don't know about you guys, but I've been following you guys since you started School of Calisthenics and since I started Deskbound Therapy. And back in the day, my page used to be, you know, calisthenics primarily as well. It wasn't a few years until I decided to shift towards helping deskbound professionals. But calisthenics has always been a huge love of mine. So I'm really glad we can get you on this episode today. Yeah, no, thank, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. We connected on Instagram like, yeah, many years ago, didn't we? Yeah, it was around around 2016. Yeah, I remember when I was just posting videos of me doing calisthenics and you guys had really cool stuff. And I remember you guys had like a thousand followers and now you guys are (laughs) are massive. Yeah, we've been on a journey for sure. (laughs) So so I'd love to hear the story of how you guys got started with calisthenics because I really like how you have the SOC framework and all these like, and the idea of it being more a curriculum that it feels like it's just thinking of it as a curriculum for me, it just seems like it's easier to see your progression versus just doing calisthenics on its own. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that comes from a background as a strength and condition coaches really, and, and utilizing a sort of systematic and progressive approach to training athletes, um, breaking it down, understanding what the, the components are that you need to build in an athlete for, for to execute a certain performance on a, on a given day and time. So our, our kind of training science approach has always been about that. And that's probably one thing that we do a little bit different to other people and that we are not ex-gymnasts. We're both broken rugby players. Jack and I have had both experienced through our careers a number of, of shoulder injuries, dislocations and fractures, um, surgeries. And we, that's our background, really, that, that brought us into calisthenics. Um, we were just doing it for our own enjoyment to start off with. Um, I was trying to stabilize a, um, a continually dislocating shoulder which I had two surgeries on and thought handstands might be a useful um, tool in doing that and Jack who had just recently retired having had a, a brain injury or a head injury um, from playing rugby so we came into it as it was a bit of a different way for us to train we were still working with athletes um, and we just started messing around with 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 calisthenics and it was just a, something new fresh opportunity to play to learn to move in new ways do things that we couldn't do rather than just being in the gym all the time and doing squats and deadlifts and bench press which we'd both done countless times over the over a long period of, of, of years um so we started to kind of have a little bit of, of success in our own training and then people asked us if we would then put on some workshops which we did and people came along to them and they really enjoyed it and we got some really good results so we started just kind of looking at what would it be like if we were to put together a structured approach to calisthenics which made it super accessible for anybody because we came as i said with no gymnastics background and we found it difficult there was our experience was that there's a lack of really well-structured resources and teaching methods, which could take somebody from literally day one to starting to work towards something which felt entirely impossible, like a a human flag. So our kind of scientific brains and and sports science experience started to break it down. and, And the framework was born out of that really of going, what do you need to be able to do to achieve any skill in calisthenics? Because there's common components. So we've, we've calisthenics comes from two, two words, um, meaning beauty and strength, kalos and stenos. So our, our framework is pitched around movement being one main pillar and, and strength being another one. Um, on the movement side, we know that we need to prepare the body for movement. We need to get ready for a session. So we, we know that whatever we're going to do, we need to prepare ourselves. We also have a movement patterning phase, which is around skill acquisition. You've got to learn. Your brain needs an opportunity to learn to move in a new way. If you've never done a handstand before, you've got a whole load of neural wiring that you need to put in place if you're going to be able to execute that skill. 
And then we have a strength component on the other side, which is very specific strength, which is close to the movement itself, where we start to build intensity. And then a large part of calisthenics is having a big base. So we call it capacity strength, which is effectively just building the basics of push-ups, pull-ups, and our kind of go-tos in terms of the things that are consistent across whatever movement you want to do. And you could take that framework and learn a pistol squat, a muscle up, a handstand, the same principles apply. And it just helps to break it down for people. And as you say, like a curriculum or a structure, which goes, these are the stages I need to go through. And if I trust the process and I see it through to the end, then you will get to achieve what you set out to achieve. We're confident in that. If, if you can do the work and you can navigate your, your way around your own potential um, hurdles in terms of maybe someone lacks range of movement or hasn't done any strength training in the past, it's achievable for everybody if you put the time into the process. Yeah, I find it's it's super cool how you guys have both come from a background with lots of injuries because a lot of people I talk to are afraid to get started calisthenics because they think they'll get injured because they think it's so hard on the shoulders and the elbows, et cetera. But you guys really provide a framework in a way where you can use it more in a sense to you know learn more body control and even prevent more injuries long-term. Yeah, definitely. Ultimately, the, the game is... Uh... Yes, we want the like learning some of the really cool stuff, like the human flag or your hands on your muscles, etc. Is is almost like the carrot to to keep us motivated around around our training. But ultimately, we want to be we want to be using our body and training in a way that provides us with longevity, so that we can we can enjoy life for as as many years as possible. Rather than you know, I'd hate to be like be able to do like a really difficult movement now when I'm 40 and then be like absolutely injured in a terrible mess when I'm, when I'm 50, like what's the point in that? Um, so yes, there's some really like cool stuff that we can do with calisthenics, but at the same time training with your, with your body weight in the way that we do, um, with that sort of systematic progressive approach allows us yes to do some cool stuff, but we're actually teeing ourselves up to have, you know, Good, good postural control, good control of our body, um, and to hopefully have a, a very long and enjoyable physical life so you can enjoy your body for, for as long as possible. So would you guys suggest but a lot of times when people say they want you know build muscle or lose weight or get fit, a lot of people just they, they want to just jump into the weights, but would you suggest using calisthenics and mastering your body weight first before you know really learning to walk before you run? Uh, I think it can fall at any part of that journey, to be honest. I mean, if somebody wants to start bodyweight training and they haven't really done any training before and they've not, not really done any strength or, or just conditioning training in the background before they, they arrive at that point, then they can start with calisthenics. But equally, we get a lot of people who have been training in the gym for years, decades, who have either decided that they want to move in a different way. They've, they've found that whatever they were doing in the gym isn't helping them to move better or live life better enjoy life more um getting stuck in the routine of like constantly focusing on what they look like and we try and encourage people to focus on what the body can do rather than what it looks like and the irony of that is if you do it well and you use a, the right training stimulus then you're going to look good and you're going to move well and you're going to have some cool tricks in the locker so it all comes as part of a, of a package really so Getting away from the idea that beginners do bodyweight exercises, I think is a big one for us because I would not consider myself to be a beginner, but I'm constantly challenged and humbled in calisthenics because everything that I want to do puts me back at the beginning again. I might do a handstand and then I want to do a handstand push-up and it's like being at the start again. Um, and then there's always something you can do. So and that beginner's mindset, I think, is... Um, it doesn't go away. It's a, and it's a really powerful thing. And it keeps what keeps us interested because it never gets yeah. boring. It's not like doing a squat and just putting five more kilos on. It's like, I'm going to move this completely new way. And when you do it, it is the most satisfying thing I've had in, in training. And I've done pretty much all forms of it over, over the years as a strength and conditioning coach for, for, for a long time now. And it's so accessible though, as well, because, because it's your body weight, you can, you can do it. You know, if, if the, you could do it in a space by your desk for a bit like the idea of like getting up and getting out and, and just moving a bit, like when you understand how to, to use your body as your, as your, as your training system, as your, as your resistance, like it just opens up avenues for you to be able to, to do it anywhere effectively. And, um, I think that, it teaches us to use our bodies in the way that they're designed rather than doing something in a machine that isn't, it just doesn't feel as, as, as natural. Um, I think the other thing I would do for people, uh, the right at the start of that question of someone wanted to build muscle or they wanted to lose weight, 
I would actually challenge them initially and just go, let's dig a bit deeper. Why? Why do you want to let's get to let's get to the root of that? Like, why do you want to build muscle? Why do you want to lose weight? Because I can once you've built your muscle, like you what are you gonna do then? Like, what's the reason that you're actually doing this for? And when you under, when you have a better, deeper understanding of why it is that you're doing the thing that you're doing, whether it's training or work, whatever, then you're gonna be able to get one more out of it and two you're also gonna know when you've got to the to got to that point because how much weight do you want to lose or or how much muscle do you want to put on it's a never-ending game potentially um whereas understanding what is driving you for that um and potentially it might bring up a few things that you need to mentally like in terms of a mental health perspective we might need to we might need to address yeah, I completely agree. Like calisthenics, like it's it's so humbling because some days you'll be, you know, jacking up some pull-ups and handstands and the next day you just, you might not feel as strong or you just get a few more reps in the tank and it, it just always challenges you and finds you a way to keep things interesting. At least for me, I found just like Tim said, like adding five kilos to my squat wasn't the most satisfying because I just felt every week in the gym I was doing the same thing. Whereas with calisthenics, it kind of unlocks a lot of freedom for your movement. There's not really as much rules. You can, you can just play around and, and explore. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, what was the process like when you guys were injured? Did you first rehab, then start calisthenics, or did you incorporate like some body weight stuff into your training? Um, yeah, I'd come out of a point where I would, I'd kind of finished rehab. Um, and that's probably one of the part of the issues, um, where if you have a, a shoulder reconstruction, like I did or, or a repair, it's probably a more accurate way to put it. You would get a certain amount of physiotherapy, but the physio will sign you off when you're effectively kind of pain-free and have got a reasonable range of movement. So for most people wanting to go about a daily life, that might be adequate, but probably when they stop doing the physio, if they haven't taken that to a point, which is going to be super stable and super controlled, they'll regress because they're not necessarily using that, that, um, the new or maintain the neuromuscular control around the joint. So I'd got to a point where I'd been signed off from a physio, but I still wasn't at a stage where I would have had confidence in my shoulder. So calisthenics wasn't running alongside rehab for me, but it was almost like in sport, we'll call it a late stage rehabilitation. I was trying to get back to be able to, to be a point where I was confident that my shoulder could push weight overhead uh, at that time. And that turned into, could I do a handstand? Could I do a human flag? That became the new kind of focus. Whereas traditionally it had always been about kind of a more traditional strength training environment, but there's certainly now as we've explored it more and become um, more educated in, in, in the ways that you can apply it. We're doing some work with some, some high performance sports organizations and different um, bodies who are looking at the benefits of calisthenics to support a rehabilitation program. And we're working with the leader shoulder physiotherapist in the UK to, to look at that um, and create some content around that. So it's such, it's going back to your point about, do you want to lose weight or, or, do you want to build muscle? The thing is with bodyweight training, as Jacko mentioned, like we, it's, it goes back to how we're designed to move. And there are so many different scalable ways in which we can do that. It, it, it isn't rigid. So you might start off by just doing some crawling patterns on the floor and you maintain your own body weight. And you could take that into just simple conditioning movements like if you want to do burpees or push-ups and pull-ups and that kind of staple sort of stuff. Or you can go down more specific routes and you can do human flags and muscle-ups and, and that kind of stuff. But it it spans everything. There isn't really an area of fitness and training where you couldn't argue that it has some level of, 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 of role, um, except, except in potentially building like incredibly strong legs. You need to lift some weights to do that. But there's still the challenge of if you can do 10 pistol squats on each leg and you can do three sets of those, You've got great stability, you've got great mobility, and you've got good strength endurance. And I know for a fact there's a lot of powerlifters that wouldn't be able to do those things. So you've, you, there's, there's, there's a role for it in so many different forms of wellness, health, and training. Yeah, like the most basic of calisthenics move that everyone who sits at a desk could benefit from would just be, you know, mastering how to control their hips and control a hip pinch and getting that neutral spine awareness can pay really dividends when you're, you know, sitting at your desk and you want to be able to go back to training if you have that solid foundation, it's going to make it easier for you to maintain good posture for a while at your work and then have that awareness when you're trading at the end of the day. Yeah, I think calisthenics is a couple of movements where we've done a lot of like more extension-based work because obviously in a, in a desk position, you sat down, you kind of hip flexed, often shoulders around a full, we're in this kind of flexion type position. 
And to be able to do a human flag or to be able to do a, a handstand, you've got to be able to get back to neutral. We need to be able to get straight. And we need to then start to, if we're, if we're spending too much time in a flex position, we need to find ways which are going to encourage us to get into extension because it's, it's all about balance. We need, we need to be able to move in both ways. It's no good being rigid and fixed in one pattern. So sometimes like Jack and I will talk a lot to people about, we'll tell people, and let's take, let's take an example of, of your kind of listeners of, of people that spend a lot of time sat down. We'll tell them to stretch. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I should probably stretch, but it's pretty boring. Like, I don't really want to do it. Um, and as a result, they don't do it. Their adherence is poor. But if they find that doing a handstand is something which is really motivating for them, they enjoy doing it and they want to achieve something like that, a tangible outcome, I guarantee they'll start working on their range of movement and mobility if they can't get their hands overhead. Because it's now no longer just about do some stretching because it's good for you. It's do some mobility work because you want to do a handstand and that carries some value. So attaching an end game towards something like that, we've seen a, a significant improvement in people's adherence um, towards improving their quality of their movement, how well they move, how strong they can get um, by having a, a target or something which they can they can focus on. Yeah, yeah. and then oh, yeah, and then it like linking back then that links back to what I was saying about what someone's goal. Like when someone has a goal of a handstand, you get all those benefits Tim just talked about, and you get adherence and you've got motivation for it. And you also know there's a point in time when you do your first one or whatever that thing is. Whereas, which is, you know, it's a, you know, if someone talks about goal setting, we should always, it should always have a measurable element to it. Like, have I achieved it or not? That gives us a great sense of achievement once we do it, um, rather than it being too often in sort of health and fitness the we lack we can end up lacking motivation because actually our our understanding of what we want to do and our our end goal is is just too blurred it's too blurry it's our i just want to be fitter or i want to do want to like you said you gave two examples of like i want to lose a bit of weight or i want to put some muscle mass on um whereas having a movement goal really gives us something tangible to to work towards and it's focused on what you can do with your body rather than how your body looks which from a mental health perspective we've We've both experienced like the benefits of that rather than being worried about how we look. It's more what can I actually do with our body. It's so much more positive way to look at ourselves and look at our, our bodies. That's that's been another added side effect that we've or side benefit that we've that we've just noticed along the way that's happened. Yeah, Tim brought up a great point because I don't think I would be as mobile as I am today if it wasn't me wanting to chase those calisthenics goals and getting more flexible. Like I had to stretch, you know, I had to do a lot of straddle stretches to work on my my planches, to do a lot of shoulder mobility to do the handstand. And really thinking about it, I don't think I would have been as motivated either if I didn't have that that goal in mind. Because you're right, it, stretching can be a little boring for people and hard yeah. to adopt because people are like, oh, why should I stretch? Yeah, I mean, I've worked with athletes for the last 12 years and getting the guys to just, it's their job to train, right? And we, they, if unless they see the benefits of it or there's some reason to do it, they don't do it. And Jacko would say the same. He's like, I had a number of hamstring injuries, but was told to stretch his hamstrings and never did it. Whereas now he's got um, some goals. I'm, I'm talking on your behalf, Jacko. Yeah, yeah. Like moving towards some more lower body functional patterns that he wants to learn. Hamstring flexibility is going through the roof because he's actually doing it because there's a reason. And the irony of it is, from a, if we dive into a little bit of the physiology behind it, is stretching your hamstrings in isolation is not really going to do a huge amount unless you're going to integrate that into a movement pattern. So it's, the system is, is, we need to train the body as one unit. It's not about one type muscle. It's about how that muscle fits into the whole human movement system. And what calisthenics does is it, it integrates all of that. You, you can't hide in calisthenics because your weak link in the chain will get exposed and you have to confront it and deal with it. Um, and that's not a negative thing. That's a great thing. We want to know where yeah. our weak links are because that's what makes us more robust. and It makes us perform better. It gives us more enjoyment of life because we're not being hindered by these issues um, that kind of creep in when we spend far too much time sat. Yeah, and I like how you guys comp- combine the calisthenics training and the structured approach with mindset. Like it all starts with the redefine your impossible. And even on your your quotes on Instagram, you talk a lot about focusing on what you can do instead of what you can't do. So it's not just you're giving people calisthenics workouts, but you're really providing them with a framework to live their life by. Yeah, no, I think the we've we've sometimes said in the past that calisthenics is just the 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 tool or the vehicle for us to to try and help make people be happy. Ultimately, like everyone wants to, we'd all like to be uh, be happy or more happy, and so 
if we can if training can be part of that tool for it and then the the way that we approach it help with that sort of mindset perspective in, in terms of happiness um that's something that we um that we really embrace and we really value as part of some of the school rules effectively if you'd like to think of them like that so what were some of the experiences like when you guys first got some of your first big static skills, like your, your handstand, your front lever and your planche? Like what was that feeling like going through that journey and coming out to that goal at the end? I think you just feel like a superhero, don't you? Like you've done something <laughs> which was impossible. Like you genuinely felt like you couldn't do it. And then you're taking yourself through a process and you've achieved it. And I was just like flipping king dingling, like strutting around after I did like, yeah. the first one that we did was a back lever. Um, and we were just buzzing because it was like you did something cool. And, and the other thing that we quite liked about it was nobody else in the gym was doing it. So that you were like the guy hanging off a bar, parallel <laughs> yeah. to the floor, doing something a bit different. And people were looking at you and it's not about the attention, but it was just like, I like doing things which are a little bit sort of different and not always following the, the, the norm. But you get that massive reward of, of I've worked at that. And I've done something which was um, which was like really significant in terms of I put some effort in. And, and Jack will often talk about this of like we don't really want this stuff to be easy, because if everyone just jumped up and did it, oh, I'm going to handstand. Yeah, no worries. Like it's as easy as doing a bodyweight squat, which ironically has become difficult for a lot of people. But it's it's if there's no if there's no like if there's no struggle in the game, then it's not worth anything at the end of it. So the handstand is a great example of that. And like you, you have to, if you've got no gymnastics background, you're going to have to work for a handstand because it <laughs> yeah. is a, you're going to have to put some time in because it is a fine motor control. It takes a long time to learn the skill. And that was one of the ones where you probably don't necessarily with a handstand, you don't necessarily always get that kind of massive. I've done it for the first time because it's a gradual process with a statics, like a human flag. The first time I did a human flag, I was absolutely buzzing because it's just flipping brilliant um, to move like that. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Take a second, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review and a comment. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know what you want to see next. Let me know who you want me to interview. We really appreciate your feedback. It's going to help us grow the Deskbound Therapy podcast and promote the Deskbound Therapy lifestyle. Yeah, it's an incredible to see as well. Like I'm still working on my my planche, but I remember when I first started following you guys, I saw Tim do a planche on like a tree or something, and I was blown <laughs> out of this world. I was like, "What the hell? That is so cool!" <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a big story on that one because I, when I first put my hands on the ground, like I, I really like hand balancing and, and the handstand skills, and particularly the strength based work around handstands. Um, and when I, I remember like as clear as day, like we were in the gym, it was in the evening. I tried to put my hands on the ground and lean forward to try and do a, a planche position. Um, give it, I think it was even a tuck and a kind of tuck position. And I, I just collapsed and said to Jack, I mate, that is impossible. How do you even go about doing that? Um, and then a few years later, I've put in a few more um, upgrades of strength and some skill and a bit of patterning in there, moving in different ways. Like, yeah, it comes together, but it's... Um, it's a massive reward when you do that sort of stuff. And, and it's got something you can really be really proud of. Yeah. Cause most people, like I know when I was powerlifting, I put a lot of my self-worth into my one rep maxes and that's all I really cared about. Like I didn't really care about so much how I looked and I wasn't eating as healthy. Cause all I cared about was upping those weights. And I was like, no, I gotta, I gotta go back to calisthenics. Cause that's when I felt my best and I felt my strongest and I felt the most alive. Cause you just doing a handstand and doing, whether it be progressing over four years to do a planche is, is such a great feeling. Yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, building those skills on, on the, and that's one of the things that we talk about is like having layers. You could, you've always got somewhere else you can go. So you, if you get a handstand push-up, then you start thinking about what else I can do. Can I do a tiger bend push-up? But I think that's not, like, the important thing is for people who are listening to this who haven't started, that like, there are some really cool skills and you can look at it and you might go, be, be massively intimidated by it. Um, but I think it's, uh, we all, both Jack and I are testament that if you start from the beginning and just put the time in, then you can achieve things that you don't think are possible for you. Um, and that's massively powerful. So what do you guys recommend in terms of balancing the statics and isometrics with the, the conditioning? Like, would you recommend when someone gets started to pick a skill they want or to just build their foundation with calisthenics? I think often we'd say to people like, you can't, you can't, uh, you're never going to regret building up that that foundation strength and that sort of quality of movement but also just the base the, the strength through those basic uh, movements like your pull-ups your push-ups your dips um 
but to ensure that it's not getting, you know, you want to do some of the sexy stuff, you don't want it to be, you don't want it to be boring, is uh, having like having at least one goal. Um, so something like a handstand is always great to have on the as a bit of a, a side burner, if you like. It's going to take, as Tim mentioned before, the fine motor control to balance on your hands like their feet is going to take some time. It's not something that you're going to learn quickly. So doing small amounts of that um, sort of regularly is good. And then you might want to pick you might have you might want to pick one other goal to work towards potentially um, something that something that really sort of captures your imagination like for me at the start it was a it was a human flag so I was trying to do a human flag um, but playing around with handstands as well and then just making sure that I took care of my my basics and having something that was really um, yeah really eye-catching and sort of um, inspiring to work towards like that flag um, definitely kept me very motivated um the danger that you don't want to fall into is trying to do everything you go right, i'm going to do i'm going to do a handstand i'm going to do muscle ups i'm going to do flags i'm going to do you know then you leave no time to you leave no time to recover you leave no time for your basics and potentially spinning too many plates could be have an adverse effect on your actual progress um and uh, there's that danger of sometimes trying to do too much hard stuff um when you're right at the beginning and just making sure that you do earn as tim would always say earn the right to progress and uh, that's that's going to be all of that sort of great work is going to be built upon the foundation of those those basic bodyweight strength moves yeah that's a great point you have to earn your right to progress because you need to master that to get to that next level and i think that's something you can really learn to appreciate with calisthenics is is respecting progressions and just taking things in order and, and like systematically because i find like for me like I could hold a strata planche, but my wrist strength just won't allow me to hold it longer. Like I have the core strength, so I need to take that step back, do more stuff, whether it be more planks, more wrist mobility, so I can, my wrists are where my core strength is. Yeah. Well, Tim mentioned before, it's actually like there, you've just gone through a problem solving process of realizing it's teach that that movement is teaching you something about your body that. Um, if you, unless you would, weren't trying that, you wouldn't know that that was that was sort of your weak link or your problem, and that's that's where it. Calisthenics is such a great tool for for teaching us about our bodies and finding out where those weak links are, so that we can can get better. Um, rather than if we were just doing a, as you had mentioned before, like weightlifting, if you can't do the weight on the bar, obviously you just put a slightly less weight on the bar. You don't necessarily it doesn't force you to dial into well, what was the weak link in my chain that's stopping me moving that moving that weight um so yeah i mean there's a, a plethora of uh, of benefits to calisthenics and i think and you know we've gone through a number of them already and um yeah it's nice of you to bring them you know you're bringing all of those out to the surface which is great so what would be the optimal training frequency because i found when i got started i was just training my handstand every day and it kind of led to under recovery and a bit of shoulder problems would you recommend like what would you recommend in terms of like upper body, lower body and balancing your skills in terms of frequency? It entirely depends um, on lifestyle, the amount of available time that you've got, uh, the amount of sort of recovery is not just a physical thing. It depends on how much emotional stress and duress you're under during the week. So we would try and often when people say, how often should I train? We use the, the phrase of saying, well, it's not how much training you can do. It's how much you can recover from. So if you're doing training on a daily basis and you're starting to feel beaten up, you're not moving forwards, you're not making progress. Um, you're starting to get niggles. Then you're, over, you're not over training in terms of its technical definition, but you're starting to get to point where you're pushing the limits and what happens in calisthenics particularly when people start is you're going to start to um you're going to get some some issues around tendons and joints because we're loading the upper body in ways that we haven't um been used to in the past um, because we have we've only just started to put these sort of intensities and particularly in isometric holes through the upper limb um, we've been walking around our feet for since we were sort of one year old um, so it really we encourage people to have a look at their their whole picture how often they can train and then breaking it down and and it might be that you can only train once a week. So what do you do? Well, you probably go for a total body approach. It might be that you want to train six times a week and you want to learn two skills. How you break those down depends on how much um, time you want to dedicate to them. If people try and do too much at the same time, then again, that's going to be really difficult to recover from and you're not going to see the progress. So it's a, it's a really individual thing. Um, and there is it's difficult to say there's an optimum because what's optimum for me will be completely different from what's optimum to Jack home, which is optimal for you. So um, yeah, we encourage people to just do a bit of an audit of their training week, 
what they want to focus on and, and set the goals first, look at their environment second um, and what's feasible and then work backwards to literally what does that mean I do on a Tuesday night um, from that point of where you're trying to get to and what's... Because no, if you, if you don't train at all, there's no point in trying to do six sessions. Like, or if you only train once a week, you say, I say it's optimal to do five. It's a massive jump. So people are going to have to scale it through in terms of what's feasible for them. Yeah, definitely. And just to throw into the mix, sort of a couple of thoughts on both ends of that spectrum. If you've got someone that's wanting to train, like say handstands every day, or you know, you can train six times a week, and you start to notice week on week on week that rather than getting stronger and feeling better, you're actually feeling worse. And this doesn't, I don't feel as, you know, last week I could do 10 of these and now I'm struggling when I get to eight, then that's a sign that as what Tim said, you're not recovering enough from that, that workload that you're doing. Um, so we need to look out for these things. We should be feeling better and, and getting stronger rather than it going the, the other way. I mean, I met a guy, um, a young lad who'd started and he was going head like absolutely full go absolutely trying to learn everything um and then he was telling me that or every he was pointing at every single joint in his body saying it hurt and i said mate you need to you need to rest you need to recover but he's like yeah but i had i had i had a day off yesterday i said like, well maybe you need more than one day off like maybe a week it was like what a week i was like i don't know but you need you need to listen to your body it's telling you something um, and then at the other end of the spectrum, if you can only train um, once a week, and as Tim said, if he say if he went said, oh, uh, optimum is three, four, or five, whatever it may be, you're going to start to look at the all the sessions that you're not doing rather than negatively, rather than going, I can only fit one session in because of my my work, my life, my family, whatever that may be. Um, you want to focus on the the quality and the the fact that you are getting that session done and how good you're going to make that session so that it's a positive reflection of it rather than feeling like you want to train three times a week and thinking about those two sessions that you're not doing. That's not actually going to help you be productive in the session. And it's also not going to, you know, it's just not being kind to yourself. If Everyone's got different factors that are going to affect how often they can train. Um, and I think there's challenges at both ends of that spectrum, whether you can train loads or whether you can only train once, there's, there's challenges in both. And being aware of those challenges, I think, is important to being successful and happy ultimately with your training. Well, those are some great points, Jacko, because it's, it's really true. You're learning about your body and what you're able to manage. Because when I started working out and a lot of people who I coach, they feel like if they're not training every day, they're not really getting results. But really, the results are what's happening, you know, in between that rest and recovery period. Yeah, because you don't really need to because you don't need to beat up your body to, to get good at calisthenics or even to change the way you look. You just need to define the right balance. I know personally, like I just started a new calisthenics program, a little bit higher volume. And the first day of the, of this phase, I've been sore since, since Monday. So that's my sign. Maybe this phase is too much for me. Maybe I need to back off. So I think it really provides a lot of benefits long-term, whether you go into other training ventures to have that, that level of connection with your body. Cause I feel like there's, still such a big disconnect people are trying to just do one thing and put the puzzle pieces together instead of you know training the body as a whole whether that be you know just starting fitness without doing any mindset work and just like jacko said earlier and without really knowing your goals but i think all encompassing it makes it more sustainable and fun yeah and i think being aware of when you start a new training block so you've done you've started a new calisthenics program you're going to have an alarm reaction phase that the, the body's going to go through this shock where all of a sudden everything hurts so if you're going to sort of it's just a response to a new stimulus so that's why if people have stopped running and they go out they start running again like getting back into it's hard the first two three sessions are, are difficult because you've just lost some of that conditioning and you're going to feel potentially sore and a little bit tired afterwards but you come through that and that's that initial sort of adaptation phase of feeling a little bit sore the alarm reaction and you get the response and you're going to start to then respond and adapt positively to the stimulus um, so it's just about building it up progressively and, and putting these these stages in place so that you can you can just continue to get stronger as jacko said before so what do you guys see SOC in the next five years? What do you look to do in terms of, I know you've grown a lot and you have online programs and coaching and workshops. What do you see happening? Well, <laughs> that's a good question, eh, Tim? There's, uh... <laughs> yeah. If anybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we've got a number, like something that we've been doing this year was um, 
building the coaching team. So we've expanded the coaching team, bringing in um, some new coaches that are all bringing a little bit of uh, additional expertise. So um, that's been great. We've got a couple of, so two, Jude and Georgie are both yoga teachers as well as calisthenics coaches. Georgie has a background previously to calisthenics in CrossFit. Um, and then coach Owens done like uh, animal sort of base movements, primal movements, ground-based movement work, um, and a lot of mobility work as well. So we've got, we're getting additional coaches to bring in so, so more stuff so that we can add, you know, add, add more width to and breadth to, to the training that we're doing and that we're providing. Um, so that's one thing that's been, that's been really great. Um, and I think we're, we're looking to, we're just, we're enjoying just growing the, the community of people that are engaged in calisthenics and just trying to, something we've always tried to do from the, from the offset is, this, the whole thing started organically, as we said, with with us just messing messing about with um, with some training, and we just want to share with as many people that want to engage in in that process as possible, and we want to take down the barriers um, to entry for that, so that when you see something incredible on Instagram or on YouTube, um, a feat of strength, or whatever, and go oh, as as quickly as you get inspired by it, that you just look at it and go oh man, that would be impossible for me. And that's what the whole Redefine Your Impossible is about. And, and we want to take down those barriers and go, okay, look, those things might be might look impossible, but we've got a framework and we've got a process that starts from zero and starts from you as a beginner. And we're going to take you on this journey and you can you can come as far along that journey as you want. But what we'll guarantee is that you'll get fun. Sorry, you'll get strong. You'll, you'll learn to move better and you're going to, we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. And, and we just want to share that with as many people as, as we can. That's a great mission. Hopefully in the next five years I can get out for a workshop once this, this pandemic's over. Love, yes, to, love, to tra- love to come train with you guys. Where are you based, David? Um, I'm in Toronto, Canada. Oh, nice. We could do Canada, Jacko, couldn't we? Oh, I'm de- I've, I've, never, I've never been to the States <laughs> or to Canada. If you guys want to so. come, we'll, sk- we'll make a workshop. We'll hook it up over here in yeah. Canada. Definitely. Like that. Definitely. Can we go snowboarding as well? Oh, absolutely. Depending on the time of year. <laughs> Snowboarding is technically calisthenics. So I think the school committee will prove it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when is the, you know, a lot of people having said that are stuck at home with their training and maybe they're trying to get started with calisthenics. Or for me, for example, I was doing calisthenics in the gym where I could do muscle ups. And now that I'm home, I have less equipment. So when would you suggest the right time is to, you know, throw in bands and weighted calisthenics and other ways to progress your calisthenics if you don't have any extra equipment yeah well we use um we use bands from sort of day one for people um potentially for beginners so if somebody wanting to learn a ring muscle up for example we might use a band to help them to learn the transition if they're learning to do a pull-up amongst a couple of other methods we would potentially use banded pull-ups so that to get the, the one thing that you need to understand about body weight training when you start is that it's not as simple as just taking some weight off a bar or picking up a lighter dumbbell. We've, we've got to find ways to change the environment slightly so that we can, we can adjust the intensity or difficulty of the exercise. Um, so in terms of having some basic equipment, like if you've got a set of gymnastics rings and if you've got, if you, if ideally if you've got a pull-up bar, we have a, we have a portable sort of um, pull-up rack, which is a, a really sort of effective and, and space saving option. If people don't want to kind of put hard equipment up or even if you've just got a set of rings and you can hang them over a tree or a beam in your house or something, you can start doing calisthenics like really, really easy. And it's really cheap to get on the road, on the ladder with that. A nice set of wooden gymnastics um rings like the ones that we sell are like 30 pounds so it's it's a really cost effective way to get into it into bodyweight training and then as you go like you reference things like weighted vests and these sorts of things it starts to scale in intensity it goes back to the point we made before about you've got to earn the right to progress so when you get to the stage of you can do a decent amount of pull-ups and dips and you've got some real competency you can put sets of those together on a regular basis then we're going to look to try and overload the system. And, and that's the same as what we would do by adding more weight if we were going to go and do a squat or a bench press. We're just going to try and make it more difficult so we continue to get the strength adaptations. So everything has a place. We, we talk about, um, we have a locker full of tools, which we, um, we, we help people to, to understand how to use. And it's just different things like, weighted is one of those we might change the stability to make an exercise more difficult or make it easier um, we might do isometrics or eccentrics we could use 
broken sets. There's a number of different ways that we can change the training environment. So if you've got no equipment, we've got a set of gymnastics rings, cheapest way to get started or a pull-up bar or something like that. Um, then you can get on and get an incredibly effective workout from home with minimal cost um, investment. I find rings so humbling. I can bust out like sets of 20 dips on my P bars at home. And the second I try to do rings, I'm like, damn, I can do like five with good form. Rings are the best training tool for the upper body, bar none. And I'll, I'll yeah. stand up against that in terms of anyone who wants to argue a barbell is better. I would say if you, if you get good on rings, you've got a strong functional upper body. And, and Edo Portal is somebody who's done a lot of that sort of stuff would, would reinforce yeah. that message. They're incredibly effective. Yeah, I'm currently working on my skin, the cat at home. It's a, it's a tough move, but for me, my weakest link is that grip strength. So, but it's so much fun. If you do skin the cat, you've got some crazy strong shoulders and that's going to help with your posture. It's going to help with all your skills. It's going to pretty much help with everything in your life. Yeah. yeah moving to moving the shoulder through full range of movement. It's uh, it's what it needs. Sorry, Jack. I think I might have interrupted. Yeah, no. Yeah, well, just that and you, and you end up, you're working on your grip strength, like you said, at the same time, which we know is correlated with shoulder health. Uh, you're also going upside down, so you're getting used to that sort of spatial awareness of, of understanding where your body is in space. Um, and as you said, it's fun. Like, I often, you see it in play parks all the time. Kids, kids will do a skin the cat, like, just because they're just messing about. They're not seeing it as training as this thing they're trying to learn. They That's just the type of stuff they do, and they're just playing around. And... Um, for whatever reason, as adults, we've we've lost that. But when we do go back to it, I think that we find it so well, liberating, almost to a degree, of going. Actually, I'm going to play in this in this session. I'm going to play with this, like, and, and that's a great thing. Yeah, and I find that too, especially with my training. Like my my girlfriend always calls me a monkey for all the stuff I do on the bars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, school calisthenic superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> so what, you know, when you're working on a skill, this is something I've always wanted to ask you guys, like when you get frustrated that you're not progressing, Jacko said before, you can, maybe you need to, to slow down a little bit, but what are some things, say you're, you're advancing, say you're, you're, you've got your tuck punch and you're doing your half straddle and you're just so frustrated. You're not getting that handstand. What are some mindset tips and strategies you guys use to, to stay positive and towards those goals. I think one of the things that, I mean, we've both noticed this before in the past, it's going to be sort of a bit, might sound a bit strange, but to actually have a break from it. Um, some, some things that have, um, you leave for, leave for a while, have a break, like mentally, it's not, it gets you, it can get you down a little bit when you're getting frustrated and it's, you're not seeing that, that progress. And so having a break from it, focus on, focus on some other stuff that you do enjoy and you are seeing progress with. Um, but just so that, and you're going to, and you're going to come back to it and, and be sort of freshened up a little bit, but as long as you're doing something, so take, it might be, it might be a front lever. We've had a, we've had a torturous, uh, journey with a front lever. So, so frustrating, but also not that exciting to train. Um, and some of the times when you take that as an example, Go go away and leave the specific static work for it, but make make sure you're still doing some good horizontal, like some strong, heavy, like horizontal rowing, as an example, to make sure that you're still building strength in that pattern. But just leave the specifics of it alone for a bit. Come back to it after you know a few weeks or whatever when you get the the energy and the desire for it again. And you know you might even find that sometimes that those those things that you're working on can actually feel better than when you were um when you were sort of really frustrated and, and struggling with it um because i think sometimes that frustrated sometimes it comes in you're just we're trying to do too much on it um can sometimes be the case um, and so as long as you're doing something that's still going to build that strength in a relevant pattern but just not quite as uh, not quite as specific or as we would call uh, applied strength then um you're still going to be you're still you're still going to have that level of strength, but you give yourself as much as anything, that mental break from feeling like you're just banging your head against a brick wall and you're not seeing any progress. Do you guys mind elaborating on the, I know you mentioned applied strength, but for those who haven't seen your website about the other components of the framework. 
Uh, yes, it goes back to what we talked about at the start, really, around um, there's four main components built around two kind of pillars, which are movement and strength. So if you movement preparation would be the thing that we, we suggest people would do right at the start of a, of a training session, and that might be just mobility techniques. That's that's different ways of starting to get to move in a, in a better way. So let's say, for example, you've been sat at a desk for eight hours and you want to go and start training. Um, it's not feasible or it's not realistic to think that you have got good shoulder range of movement if you've been hunched over a laptop all day long so we need to do something which is going to help us to get into a better shape which then allows the effectiveness of the training session to to improve so if you can't if you've been hunched over taking your hands up overhead is going to get tight so we're going to struggle to get handstand quality which is going to mean we find compensation so it's steps to try and make you move more effectively which is going to enhance the training effect so it's, it's preparation for the session, activating the right muscle um, synchronization and, and that sort of stuff. The second phase is movement patterning. That's our skill acquisition. So if you if you want to do a human flag, your brain probably, unless you've never if you've never done it before, um, doesn't know how to push and pull maximally with the hands overhead because you've never done it before. So there, there comes a point where we just need to find exercises which lack sort of real strength intensity that require a huge amount of force but they create an environment in which you can learn and teach your, your central nervous system that skill or neural pathway so we might use something for example like a stability ball human flag the the intensity of the exercise is not is not hard um but the the balance and the coordination around it is quite is quite challenging and that's learning the control strategy for that for that pattern because these movements require a huge amount of force, some of them like a human flag, we then have our strength components. So an applied strength exercise would be doing something like a hard out isometric in a, in a regression of a full human flag. So the first one of those could be, for example, what we call an angle flag. So rather than trying to do it with hands on a straight bar, we might have um, holding onto a pull-up um, bar with the, with the right hand, for example, and the left hand is on the side of the pull-up rack or a wall or something, which is kind of like... Um, vertical and you're just going to push yourself away and that's we're going to do isometric positions in that um in that hold so we're going to might do five ten seconds holds very specific looks a lot like the human flag but it's a regression because we can't do the full thing yet um, and that's why our applied strength is is like it's specific strength to the movement pattern we're trying to learn and then we've got our capacity strength component which is the underpinning base level of strength that you need for all calisthenics movements so to do a good uh, a good human flag you're going to need some pull up strength and we're going to need some single arm active hang strength um and you can if you stay too specific you can get skills down but what you really want is this, this underlying base so if, like, a good example would be a hands freestanding handstand push up if you, the stronger you are, the easier it becomes because when you drop into range of movement into the bottom position of, of the handstand, if you're strong enough to get out, you're not, your body, your brain isn't occupied with, oh, I don't know if I can do this movement if I'm strong enough. You know, you've got more strength than, than what you need. We talk about strength in abundance or surplus strength, which allows me to cognitively focus more on the movement pattern that I'm trying to perform. So I can think about my balance or my body position or the alignment of my, of my midsection so that I can keep a good body shape if i drop into that position and i don't think i'm strong enough and i've got all those variables to consider it makes it way more difficult so building a bigger base and, and for most people a lot of times we they, they say oh, why can't i do a muscle up or i've been working on my handstand push-ups or whatever it might be a lot of times we have to turn around and say the reality is you're just not strong enough the thing with calisthenics you can get quite caught you can get caught up in the, the sort of sexy drills handstands is particularly bad for that and that you just keep trying to do a handstand but the reality is you're going to need to go away and spend time getting strong because when you're strong, everything becomes easier. Everything becomes easier. That's it. That's, that's the big thing there. Yeah. It's not that it reminds me of a, one of my favorite quotes. It's not that it, it get the work. It's easier. You get stronger yeah, and you, and you, you progress harder. <laughs> I find at least when you're beginning, it was a little bit tougher, but once you're in that intermediate phase, it unlocks a lot more, avenues for ways you can train your calisthenics because you have that foundational strength there's more advanced progressions you can do and at least for me i started to feel like i was getting like a a better workout because i had more variety of what i was able to do so i have a few questions from some of the followers that they submitted to ask you guys um, one awesome. was one was from a follower who is in weight he does weightlifting and he tracks his macronutrient intake. And he was wondering if he switches to calisthenics, does it affect how much food he should be eating? And is he going to be burning less calories? 
Okay, that would be um that would just depend on depends on what he's doing right now and it's gonna depend on what he can then goes and do. I think to understand that like resistance training is resistance training. If you are if he's if he's swapping his say his military press for um a handstand push up, um and to put his feet on the wall to take out that but he could take out that balance, he could easily create the same type of resistance so and trying to mimic the similar type of session um but it I, yeah i think it it totally depends it, it it could change um but it it totally depends on what that he's actually what he's actually doing we're not sort of we don't count calories and and the easiest way to track whether you're, you're under or over your uh your intake compared to what you're you're doing is whether you whether your weight is fluctuating um so you'll soon, you know, you'll soon, you'll soon know if you if he's not eating enough or he's eating eating too much, as long as yeah. you just are aware of your body weight. I'm not sure about you guys, but I noticed that a lot of people who do get cal- do do calisthenics and they get really good at it have that gymnast look, and that's kind of like what it just. I find it happens naturally with just training hard and eating well. Yeah, I think yeah, we're encouraged to eat well because we want to be because our ultimately our, our long term aim is around longevity and that good health. Um, but there's also the there's the effect that with body weight training, if you want to do some of these hard things, it's, it comes down to a strength to weight ratio. So you are encouraged, and your body is encouraged to be lean but strong. Um, ultimately, if you like Tim said, if the stronger you are, the better. And particularly if the stronger you are and you're not carrying X additional weight um then that's going to help you with the the difficult strength movements that we're going to try and do um but remember what we said before the caveat of that is that we're we're focused on our bodies how your body ends up then looking is a byproduct of of your training but then also what you're eating but having not having that as your focus we find is so so much better for for our own sort of personal mental health and how we view our, ourselves and our bodies yeah, it gives you peace of mind just chasing a skill versus chasing aesthetics. And it's a lot, again, it's better for your mental health. Definitely. So what is the biggest challenge in your business and how did you guys overcome it? <laughs> the biggest challenge? Um, I don't know, Jacko and I might differ on this one, but um, resources probably um, probably a, a, a challenge for us. We, um, it's just we, time really, isn't it? Yeah. Like, is it there's not like one big do. thing that jumps out, is there? Um I wouldn't say nothing. Nothing. There's not like one big challenge we suddenly had to to overcome. Um, Coronavirus has been a pretty big challenge. Yeah, yeah, that's been a pretty big challenge. Yeah, (laughs) that's the same. But everyone's got that challenge. (laughs) Are you guys offering any online uh, workouts or sessions during the quarantine period? Tons. Yeah, we've we've made our bodyweight basics program free, um, so that's available on our virtual classroom. So if people want to get started or they want some ideas for home workouts, um, they can they can get access to that. Um, Jacko's put together an incredible schedule of live workouts every every weekday on Instagram. Um, There's tons on YouTube. Sorry, on YouTube as well. Yeah. Yeah. The good thing about YouTube is they then stay on YouTube in a playlist, so people can watch them back anytime. I think we've probably got close to thirty there now. Um, and that's just always going up. So yeah, there's a full program that Bodyweight Basics was a was a forty pound product, um, and we made that for, we've made that free for lockdown. And then yeah, there's those follow along workouts you can join. You can join them live when we do them, or you can uh, you can watch them back at any time on YouTube. Awesome, awesome. That's some great stuff. Definitely check those out because I know I'll, even the way your eBooks are designed, they're very visually appealing and nice to follow along. But I have yet to see your your online virtual classroom so that'll be interesting for all the followers to check out yeah we took sure. we took you with a membership yeah we've put a lot of time into that one so it'd be great for people to go and check it out and um it's much better than what the ebook format originally was yeah it's pretty wild how fast you've grown it says you have like thirty-five thousand students which is that's actually quite remarkable <laughs> yeah especially from when i talked to jack he said you guys didn't start calisthenics to start a business it was just kind of a natural progression yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we never set out to build the school of calisthenics. It's something it, calisthenics for us was a different way to train. We were having fun with, and it's always been very organic. In that um, we were asked to teach and put some workshops on, and and then we just the entrepreneurial sense in us both just kind of thought that we could, there's an opportunity, and we were having fun with it, and and that's a big thing for us. Like it's not about um, 
it's never been about like, can we build a, a, a massively financially huge behemoth of a business? It was, we were having fun and we were passionate about sharing calisthenics with other people. And the business kind of just came alongside that. And, and I was creating products and sharing those with the world allows us to continue to keep, keep doing that and, and hopefully continue to impact some people's health, wellness, lifestyle, enjoyment of, a, of whatever it is that they get excited about. Awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It's definitely the same for me. I just saw a need because I was working at a desk and I was trying to do calisthenics and I had a lot of shoulder problems. I was like, there's got to be a way I can get strong and mobile and have good posture while working at a desk and still work towards my fitness goals. And it wasn't until other people were just asking for products from me when I didn't have anything ready. So it's cool that we both come from similar backgrounds where it's something that we were internally inspired by. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. definitely. And that does lead me to my last question here for you guys is, who are your greatest inspirations in life and why? <laughs> That's, uh, you know, these are hard. You know, when people get to the end of a podcast, they just spring a question like that. Yeah. With no time to prep. Yeah, rapid fire, <laughs> rapid fire questions. Rapid fire. You can't tell me you sounded like you're ready to answer that. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to dodge it. Um, we... <laughs> It's not that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't have um, big inspirations, but I've generally, I've pulled from a lot of different sources over the years. And it would be unfair for me to say that this one person has been the biggest influence. Um, and also it's probably, we, we've tried to be original in what we've done. And um, when we started Calisthenics and still to this point now, we don't go and look at what everybody else is doing and, and, and try and replicate it because we want to find our own path and work it out for ourselves because that helps us to understand the process better and it helps us to coach people better through the, the difficulties and the struggles that, that we experience. So that's really kind of, it sounds like a bit of a, of a, of a get out and it is in some ways, but it's the truth. Like we, we're not massively sort of like idolizing and following um, a lot of other people and, and the number of people that we can now learn from and take inspiration from is such so wide and, and vast that um, for me, it would be unfair to kind of to, to, to pinpoint one individual. I love it. So yeah, go on. No, I was just saying, I love that, that mindset there that you're, you're just trying to do it for yourselves and just have fun with it. Yeah, I know. And I think, and well dodged the bullet too. Um, Thanks, Jacko. But uh, yeah, and so to sort of just to echo what you said about that, like I, I when I used to play rugby, I had like you know players that you'd look up to and, and things, and I don't know, I'd often um, my inspirations throughout my life have always been people that have been a lot like closer to me. So rather than necessarily famous people, it would be naming people like my science teacher when I was at school, um, you know, one of the captains I had when I was playing rugby, and people that people that were that were influencing me on a day-to-day basis, like in, in your actual, in your actual life, um, I think have had a far bigger impact on me than, um, than those, than sort of looking up to someone famous. I would admire like, you know, like anyone else, like your Michael Jordans of this world and that sort of thing. But, um, people that I've actually interacted with have had the biggest impact, you know, like Tim, when I met Tim and, and helping me with Mercy and career, like it's the same thing. Um, I'm I'm genuinely inspired by the people in our community. I I, yeah. I absolutely love seeing other people who, and they won't they won't feel disrespected if I say this, but they're just normal people doing awesome stuff. Like that is what what gets me excited. I mean, I've had the the, the pleasure of of working with elite athletes, and it, to be honest, it's the they they do some incredible things, and um, the achievements are are massive. But I really enjoy seeing just other people like me, normal people just getting after it and doing some cool stuff. And, and that's what I think is a massive source of inspiration for us with the school of calisthenics and why yeah. we continue to want to grow it. Um, because we see the positive benefits and we get a real buzz out of people being excited and enjoying calisthenics. Yeah, definitely. Like that's, it is, I, I, there was a really good example of this was, um, uh, coach Seth, uh, who do, heads up our online personalized coaching. So does personalized programming and, and coaching one-on-one with, with people online. He sent through, um, one of his clients that was, uh, had done a dragon pistol squat, like a dragon squat. But I was like, I've been, I've been working on it a little bit and, and made some headway, but then seeing that I was just like, oh, like it just, I was like, man, that is so good. And I am gonna, it just spurred me on literally that night. I then like worked on them. Um, and it's, and it's, it's uh, Tim's right. Like taking the inspiration now is like just seeing what everyone, 
what everyone else is doing, whether it's whether it's someone doing something you can't do yet or someone doing something that you've, they've, you know, they may have sent us videos on Instagram over the course of six months and then they'd like finally show you the one where they've managed to do their handstand or whatever it may be. And you're like, that's in, even though just because you can do that thing already doesn't mean you're not inspired by that because you've you've seen the journey that they've go, gone on. You've seen the struggle they've gone through. You go, man, like that is, it is, in, it's inspiring. Everyone's, everyone's sort of goals and little wins that they're making are, yeah, they're, they're all inspiring. And I think that is something that, yeah, I'm sure I can speak for both of us. Is it like it drives us on, um, on the day to day as well as what we want to try and do in, in terms of spreading that to as many people as possible. Awesome guys. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been great to connect to you. And I find that's one of the things I love about social media is just being able to connect with so many like-minded people. And I mean, you guys have definitely inspired me along my journey as well. So definitely keep doing what you're doing because school of calisthenics is going to keep growing. Thank you. I massively appreciate the support and thanks for having us on. Yeah. How can, how can people connect with you? Um, we're social uh, social media you can just find a school of calisthenics across all, all platforms um, and youtube and we've got our website is school of um, and you can find links within that within the website there to get to our online um, teaching platform or, or training program platform which is our we call our virtual classroom so um, we, we've uh, yeah school of calisthenics across all platforms and um and you should be able to find a little bit more out about how you can get involved in, in, in coming to a workshop or getting involved in training online or, or whatever it might be that you're interested in. Awesome, guys. It was a pleasure. Until season two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, guys.